It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hey, what's up? Welcome to episode number 335 of Locked On Raptors for Thursday, May 17th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of LockedOnRaptors.com and RaptorsHQ.com. You, of course, can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean. Find the show at Locked On Raptors. You can find links to every single episode. Uh, make sure you're checking out the Locked On Podcast Network. It's in its entirety, there's team-focused shows for all 30 NBA teams, all 32 NFL teams. You've got a few baseball shows now as well, including Locked On Blue Jays. And uh, Locked On Fantasy with Josh Lloyd, Locked On NBA with David Locke, and a whole bunch of hosts across the network. There's Locked On NFL with Matt Williamson. There's a million shows for you to check out if your ears need sports talk, uh, local angles on, on, on sports talk stories and stuff. Uh, th- th- that's a good pitch. Uh, congrats to me for being a good pitchman here. Uh, make sure you check out the network. It's great. And if you find a show that you like, uh, please subscribe to it separately on its own iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play page. Uh, if you do that with Locked On Raptors, I'll be forever indebted to you. Takes no time at all. It takes like five seconds. If you want to leave a review, it takes like 10 to 15 seconds just to think up the review and write it. Uh, and it's very helpful. It's helpful for the algorithm. It boosts whatever sort of thing that iTunes uses to put shows into the top 200. Um, I've seen the show in there a little bit lately, and that's very nice. So please uh, take the time. It's very helpful. And it's, again, it's free to do, and it's the least you can do to support the free podcast you're listening to right now and have listened to 335 free episodes of. Um, so thank you very much, and uh, I'm not sorry for guilt-tripping you. Uh, all right, on today's show, just going to do a little bit of mailbag action. Uh, no guests, just myself. Got a bunch of questions that came in, and uh, we'll just kind of mosey on through some of these. Like The general tenor of these questions seems to be something of a primer for what the off-season is going to look like, so... Uh, yeah, we'll just get into some of these, and I think they'll answer some questions that lots of people have about what's to come in the summer. Some coaching stuff, some WNBA stuff, and uh, yeah, a little bit of a th- uh, nihilism and stuff as well. So uh, let's get to the questions here. Question number one from Baron Brown, at Baron Brown. Uh, Is there a legit Raptors head coach candidate with head coaching experience in the mix, or are we zeroed in on Nurse Stack and uh, Rex Kalamian? Um... That's it's so weird. The Raptors coaching search has been super quiet. Bud, uh, Mike Budenholzer was really the only guy who was thrown out there as like an actual former head coach who has been uh, in the mix. And I honestly kind of always read that as a bit more of a leverage play from Bud's side of things. Um, to sort of maybe you know beef up the Bucks offer to him or whatever. I never really thought the Raptors. I, although there was it was reported that they met with him on Monday. I never really felt like that was all that serious because it really did feel like a lateral move. And if thousands of people are clamoring because it feels like a lateral move. I'm sure Masai Ujiri also realizes the same thing. Um, and, you know, I think, you know, it would have been an okay move. We talked about this on yesterday's podcast. Like, I wouldn't have minded, bud. But um, I'm kind of, like, on board with looking for new blood and looking for guys who haven't been head coaches before. Um, and it's not like, you know, Nick Nurse, Jerry Stackhouse, and Rex Kalamian don't have a lot of experience. I mean, Rex Kalamian hasn't really been a head coach. I'm not sure uh, at what levels. Uh, but, uh, he's been mostly an assistant, I guess. But 
Nick Nurse was a head coach in the G League, head coach in, uh, in like England and stuff, and all over the place in Europe. Uh, and Jerry Stackhouse, of course, has been a head coach with the 905. And that obviously is a very different animal than the NBA. You're always kind of shuffling guys in and out. The, the team changed from season to season, and you know it's really hard to get any continuity when you're a head coach of a G League team, and it's just a different thing. You're more developmental than anything. But um, you know he's got experience at least doing that for a couple of years, and so. While it's not NBA head coaching experience, I don't think that's like a knock or anything. Uh, I'm totally comfortable if it's going to be Nick Nurse or Jerry Stackhouse, really. I, I think new blood is always good. I would rather have a coach who I haven't seen anything from and could be better than Dwayne Casey than someone who we kind of know is going to be, you know, sort of the same or worse. Um, because, you know, retreads usually aren't that great. <laughs> it's, you know, Bud, I think, is has some potential to be a very good fit with Milwaukee. Um, but, like, he obviously had his issues closing out his time with Atlanta. And as I mentioned yesterday on the podcast, like, a lot of that is Bud's own doing as the GM, kind of screwing up the roster and not really gracefully transitioning to a rebuild. But, um, you know, there were some issues as well with his tactical tactical stuff in playoff series. And obviously we know what happened with the Hawks against the, the Cavs in the playoffs uh, multiple times. So... Uh, yeah, I- I'm okay if it's not a guy with NBA head coaching experience. I really am. I, I think people get a little too up in their heads about experience, and new ideas are great. And it, for me, Nick Nurse is the guy that I would like to see. Just what people seem to say about his creativity and his sort of open-mindedness with you know with regards to coaching. People might think that it's like some sort of you know not enough of a, a move of a move away from Dwayne Casey, and that the, the meshes would be the same or whatever. Like Nick Nurse is his own dude. He's he got his own thing going on. I'm sure he has his own philosophies and ideas. And obviously, when you're an assistant coach, you are you're obviously you're contributing to the staff, but your overarching philosophies aren't being taken into account because that's the head coach, and that's where Dwayne Casey sort of you know ran things, right? Like obviously, the offense was informed greatly by Nick Nurse's playbook and stuff like that but the sort of larger picture stuff he obviously you know was behind Casey and didn't really get the chance I think to introduce that kind of stuff to the team so I'm okay if Nick Nurse is the guy even though it's a you know a very similar guy and it was part of has been part of the issues the last few seasons at least there while the issues were unfolding in front of him at least I don't want to credit him or you know disparage him too much because his offense very much stuck in the playoffs this season Um, but yeah no I'm okay with Nurse despite the lack of head coaching experience is my point there. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring, but for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Berea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Berea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Berea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Uh, next one here from Josh at Trick or Trites. If you didn't cover basketball as a job, would you still watch all the remaining playoff games or just pretend it doesn't exist for a little to allow for some soul mending? Um, 
Look, full disclosure, I have not been uh, watching every game of the conference finals. There, I've had softball games. The Americans was on last night. I didn't watch all of the Rockets game. Um, I'll catch up on stuff and, and read everything. But, like, yeah, I, I understand if you want to take some time to not watch. If you don't want to watch the Cavs and Celtics, especially considering the Celtics are just running over the Cavs right now, I understand that. I totally buy it. And I am very much uh, of the mind that you should take a break from the basketball thing uh, at some point. My break will probably come in, like, July. I'm an idiot and decided to book a trip from July 4th to July 15th, which will essentially be the entire window in which free agent moves will happen, I'm assuming, because, you know, LeBron will take some time to, uh, you know, figure out his stuff there. Um, I might have to get someone to, like, fill in host for me or something like that for that couple weeks. But, um, yeah, I I think the the idea of taking some time off, I totally, it it makes a lot of sense to me. And uh, yeah, you don't have to put yourself through it if you don't want to. I still do because basketball is fun and it's fun to watch at least the Warriors Rocket series I've enjoyed. I've kind of been exhausted, mostly because the the Cavs series is on ESPN and I'm just so done with hearing Mark Jackson and Jeff Van Gundy just like crotchety ass yell at each other about refs and respecting coaches and rule changes and replay. It sucks. I'm having trouble watching that series just for that. But um, yeah, the Rockets Warriors series has been awesome. I'm I have no problem watching that series. It's more the Celtics Cavs one that I've been a little bit like, eh. I I don't really want. My heart's not in this. I've watched the games, but it's not it's not felt nice. It's felt a little gross. But uh, I totally get it. If you don't want to watch basketball for a little while after what happened to the Raptors, that would uh, not be shocking, and that would make a ton of sense to me. Uh, next one here from Thomas S at Toby Saw. Um, if no major adjustments to the ro- roster is going to be made, who do you suggest would be the best coach for the Raptors? Um, yeah, so this kind of gets into the previous question from Baron Brown. Um, I think Nick Nurse is my guy. I, I think I'm interested in Jerry Stackhouse to an extent. Um, the argument that I think makes sense for Stack is, so I, I don't think Stack is the guy if you are trying to sort of run back a 59-win team and, and try to be good, and I think that's what the Raptors are going to do. I think the just the way Masai has talked and the way the Dwayne Casey firing went down, it sounds like, and just because it's hard to unload a lot of these players, it sounds a lot like the Raptors are going to try to just keep it together and see what happens next season with the new coach. And if that's the case, I think Nurse is probably the easier guy to plug in there. We maybe have a little bit more sort of an idea of what his tactical tendencies might be or just like his creativity. I think that might work well uh, for a team that's kind of gotten bogged down and not been quick to make adjustments and things things like that in the playoffs. Um, and also he just has, I think, more of a close rapport with guys like Kyle and DeMarc considering he has, you know, engineered the offense the last couple of seasons and uh, has been there sitting next to Casey for the last five years or whatever. Um, so I think Nick Nurse is my guy. The argument for Stack is interesting, though, because if you're looking at this roster and you're sort of penciling in when the downturn for Kyle and DeMar is going to come or, you know, the potential to move on from them next summer if that becomes easier, especially with Kyle and even Serge being expiring contracts next summer, maybe they become a little bit easier to move off of. Um, And if that's the case, if you're sort of penciling in next season to be a successful year, ideally, but after that, maybe a bit of a step back before taking steps forward, I could see the idea for Stack coming in and just sort of riding it up for this season and just like giving him the security that if this season doesn't go well, he's still going to have the job. Obviously, you want to see some sort of replication of what happened last season, aside from what happened in the playoffs, but um, the idea for me with Stack, I think... You know, I think he'd be better suited at this point. Maybe this is unfair. This is probably me taking the G League thing too much into into mind, but that's really all we've seen him do so far. Um, but I, I do think the 
idea of Stack kind of taking on the young team and sort of growing with it as, you know, sort of Dwayne Casey did with the Raptors in the last era, right? Like he sort of was there when Kyle and DeMar first came, Jonas first came over, like he kind of has shepherded these guys along from their first, you know, early days in the league. Um, and I'd be curious to see how that could work with Stackhouse as well. Sort of start them young with, you know, OG and Pascal and Yak and Fred and DeLon or whatever, and then whoever else comes in in the next couple of seasons through the draft, or maybe they make some trades to sort of get younger. Who knows? Um, I-, I could see that being sort of a-, a reasonable model to follow, where Stack just kind of becomes the next figurehead for the franchise going forward with a new new sort of core. But um, I-, I-, I still think if next season you really want to sort of go for it, Nick Nurse, I think, is probably the more ready-made guy to just plug in there. But that, again, we don't know enough about these guys to make these like grand assertions. But I, uh, that's sort of just my read on the situation. Uh, next one here from Robert A. Senta. What are the chances of Toronto getting a WNBA team? I would love to have great basketball to watch in the summer. Has this been discussed? I truthfully don't know. It would be awesome. That would be really cool. There's a million places where they could play, whether it's Rico Coliseum or the ACC. Um, and yeah, I think that'd be cool. I'm sure MLSC would want to get on that because why not have more revenue streams? They already have a million sports teams. They just bought the Argos, I believe. Um, why not get on that? That'd be cool. The uh, WNBA is like 12 teams right now, and I'm not sure what their sort of expansion plans are, but if they are looking to expand, Toronto feels like a pretty good market. Obviously, it's a very good basketball city. We've seen that. It's a very good sports city in general. Maybe there's a bit of oversaturation. Maybe you worry about that, especially with like the Blue Jays in the summer um, and TFC sort of becoming new and sort of sexy the last couple of seasons. Maybe you worry that there's too much conflict between the schedule, which runs in the summer, um, with those sports teams. But at the same time, the Jays don't draw like incredibly well, and basketball is uh, has a very sort of devout fan base in the city. And I think it probably differs a lot. Like the Venn diagram of basketball fans and fans of the rest of the teams in the city, I feel like there's just more people um, in sort of the Raptors side than there is in sort of the overlapping area of that Venn diagram. So you know, maybe there'd be an audience for it either way. Um, I'm I'm cool with it. I'd be down with it. I, I I don't know exactly what the process is like for getting an expansion WNBA team, but uh, and I haven't I don't know anything. I haven't heard anything about that, but that would be kind of cool. Uh, I good idea, Robert, and I hope we see it uh, or at least some sort of push for it. That'd be cool. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Uh, next one here from Pascal at Pascal. Uh, would you trade CJ Miles for nothing and give Fred his salary to avoid slash minimize the tax? Um, yeah, Fred's going to put the Raptors in the tax. They're probably already going to be in the tax, if I'm not mistaken, just considering Norm's extension and all the money that they have on the books. But um, Fred is absolutely going to bring them in the tax and probably into a higher bracket, considering what he's probably going to command as the third third guy in the uh, six-man-of-the-year voting. Once again, shouts to Fred. Um, I don't think I would trade CJ just to get, to get Fred under there. I, I think... The Raptors are set up to pay the tax next season if they want to. They they don't have a lot of money on the books a couple years from now. There's probably not any risk of repeater taxes at this point, um, unless like Pascal and OG become like incredible and like they need insane extensions or whatever. Um, but that's so far down the road. 
Um, I, I just think CJ is like a nice player to have. Like, obviously he has his issues, and particularly against LeBron James, when he gets switched onto him, it's not going to end well, as we saw in the playoff series. But it's nice to have CJ shooting. It's nice to have a guy who, you know, while he was inconsistent at times this season, he was, you know, he, he was very good with that bench unit. He was the bench dad, and like he fit really well into that unit when he wasn't there. That unit really struggled offensively. Um, so if you're looking to replicate that at all, like I think you want to keep CJ around because he fits really nicely with the skill sets of those guys. And I, I just think CJ is a nice role player to have. Like he's got a little bit of off the off the dribble game, which not many Raptors role players in recent history have had. Um, and very few guys can get as hot as he can, right? And you know, obviously, certain matchups are going to forbid him from being on the floor. Um, and ideally, you wouldn't like to have him being like a crunch time player against a team that features LeBron. But uh, against most other matchups, he's a nice guy to have out there. He had a couple of great games against the Wizards, for example. Um, and like, he's not a great defender. He's not a good defender. I'm not like, what am I saying? He's a below average defender. But I don't think he is as like disastrously awful as it seems when he's guarding Kevin Love or LeBron James. Like, those are terrible matchups for him but there are certain times where he's like passable and like I'd still say he's a better defender than DeMar for example um which again not a high bar but I uh no I wouldn't do that and I think if you're gonna try to offload a salary it's probably Surge like obviously finding a team to take Surge will be impossible but maybe you can sort of sweeten it and that gets to another question that's coming up in a second but um I uh yeah I don't know I CJ I think is too like his contract is too reasonable to be like, all right, we got to offload this thing. Like I feel like you try to do it with like a norm or something like that instead, um, or even a Jonas. I mean, Jonas is better than CJ. What am I talking about? Like you'd rather have Jonas on your team than CJ. But I don't know. I think the Raptors are set up to just pay the tax next season if they want to. And obviously, the the end result of this season kind of leads you to think like this isn't a tax team. Why would you pay the tax for this team? But I don't know. There's not that much in the way of movement they can do this summer, so they're not really sort of hamstringing themselves from making trades or anything like that or making big signings by going to the tax. Like, the tax restricts your roster movement, but, like, if the roster comes back mostly as it was last year with Fred signed up, like, I think it's still a really good roster. It's one of the better ones in the league. It's still going to be crazy deep, and the young guys, in theory, get better. Um, so maybe it is worth paying. And, and if you have a new coach and you believe that's going to change your fortunes in the playoffs, then maybe it is worth just running it back with the whole whole gang together and just paying a shit ton of money for it. And if it doesn't work out, then you can kind of get out of it next summer, um, avoid any repeater stuff. Like, they didn't pay the tax this season, which is a nice little bit of business because had they, then you're at risk of paying the repeater down the road. But, um, yeah, I think keep CJ. He's very useful, and he's only he's pretty reasonable. Two, two more years at $8 million per, like, that's not bad at all. Um, so, yeah, that's my answer to that. Also from Killa Pascal. Uh, actually, I'll get to that one in a second. This one kind of ties into that, uh, the previous question from, uh, once again, at Toby Saw. If you had to attach one of the young players to a veteran to get rid of the bloated contract, which player would you feel less comfortable with trading between Fred, DeLon, and Bebe? Uh, Bebe's a restricted free agent this summer, so I don't think he really factors into this. Um, if we just have like the whole list of guys, Pirtle, Fred, DeLon, OG, Siakam, although OG and Siakam, I think, at this point, unless you're trading for like Kawhi Leonard or something like that, those guys are probably untouchable. Um, Fred, DeLon, Yak, like probably Yak. Um, I really like Yak, but the roster is such that there's a lot of centers already. Um, and maybe that changes if you're getting rid of a Jonas or something like that. And maybe if you're trading Jonas, you might not want to get rid of Yak because maybe Yak is your starting center next season, um, which I think could be kind of interesting. Um, although his offensive game is significantly less than that of Jonas's. But if you're trying to move a contract, um, A, it's probably Surge. And maybe you have to attach something nicer to, to Surge. Maybe it becomes DeLon. Um, like... 
Yeah, it might be DeLon. I think it depends on the position that you're offloading, but DeLon might be the guy. Um, he's good. He's also 26, and I'm not sure how much better he's going to get. And also you have to pay him very soon. Um, and, like, the way he's played, the playoffs he had, you know, he wasn't super consistent all year. He had his ups and downs, but he was a big part of that second unit. And, you know, before you have to pay him, maybe that's the guy you want to attach um, because they don't have any picks to trade off this summer, which is a bummer, uh, but also kind of nice because I'd rather not give up picks to get rid of bad contracts. But, um, yeah, if I'm attaching a guy, it's probably DeLon before you have to pay him then. Uh, and yeah, yak in certain situations, I suppose, but probably like if you're getting rid of Norm Powell, for example, then maybe yak is the guy to attach, but that still feels like a lot to give up when Norm probably has some stuff left to mine. Uh, next question here from once again, Kilo Pascal, any lineups you want to see this year that, uh, that we didn't really see? Uh, he suggests Serge, Pascal, OG, DeLon and Kyle best on D and maybe enough offense. Um, it's hard to say. I think. Five-man units, I, I don't know which ones we saw that much. Like The, the Raptors cycled in a bunch of stuff, right? Um, the three-point guard looks with like OG and Pascal for super tiny you know, matchups, I think those are kind of fun. They're very good defensively, um, even though Fred and Kyle are kind of small. Um, those are really fun, though. Uh, I, give me OG and Pascal on the front court. I don't care. It, it obviously depends on the matchup, but like those guys... Should be excellent def- defensive options. And, like, anything with OG at the four, actually, I think is something I'd like to see a little bit more often as well. The Surge Pascal thing we saw in spurts in the regular season, and it was really effective. We barely saw it in the playoffs. I think we saw it in game three um, for the most part of that comeback against the Cavs. And, like, I'm not surprised that helped initiate a comeback, even though Surge was still not playing up to snuff and was really bad in the series. Like, Surge Pascal makes sense to me. There's enough offense there. Um, in theory, when Serge is like engaged, uh, you know, and he provides some three-point shooting of the position that sort of offsets Pascal not being a great three-point shooter. Um, I have a lot of belief in Pascal's shot, though. I think it's going to come around. It's not ugly. It's pretty smooth and quick. Uh, I think it's going to come. But um, yeah, Pascal and OG, I think, factor into a lot of the lineups I'd like to see more often. And those two playing together, um, like those two, I think are very likely the, the future three, four starting combo for the Raptors and seeing them either as a three, four or as a four, five, um, I'm very okay with because they're really fun and they kind of seem like, you know, fundamental players you're going to want to have going forward. As we've seen in these playoffs, switching has become just, I mean, again, it's not new, but switching has become the sort of trump card to everything. Right. And, yeah, you know, we saw the Raptors get killed because they couldn't switch against the Cavs effectively and just got pounded by matchups, um, by bad matchups. And just, you know, they were just left on an island way too often. And with Surge, sorry, with Pascal and OG, I think those guys are two guys who will be able to switch on to three, four, five positions at some point. Like, I think Pascal maybe already is like a five position defender. Maybe he's not so great against centers, but he did a good job against John Wall. Um, you know, there are certain physical matchups that he'll struggle with until he beefs up, I guess. But, you know, LeBron is an anomaly, right? So, um, yeah, I would say anything with Pascal and OG playing a lot would be uh, really cool for me because I feel like that is where you maximize your defense. And as those guys develop offensively, Pascal's got the off-the-dribble game a little bit. He's a great passer, big-to-big passer. Um, you've got OG, who is an excellent cutter, has been a good three-point shooter as an NBA player. Um, I, I think those guys you want to have on the floor as much as possible next season. Uh, next one here. Also ties in to uh, that last question. From Zachary Worden, our, uh, one of our Lockdown Raptors writers. Uh, who takes the biggest leap out of the young guys on the team next year? And, who, and do, you, do any of them push for starting spots, assuming everyone is back? 
Um, it's going to be tough politically, but I would not be against Pascal Siakam taking over Serge Ibaka's starting spot at the four. I think Serge, uh, as good as he can be on his best day, it's just so inconsistent. And like, if you're going out of meritocracy, Pascal, I think for the most part this season, while his numbers were less than Serge's, like, I think he was just like a better, more impactful player. And I would not be shocked if by this time next year, Pascal is like the third best player on the Raptors, or the third most important. Um, he just brings a lot of really nice things to the table. And while his offense can be a little tricky at times, especially his three-point shot, I think just let him grow, man. Just let him take a bunch of shots. Let him build his confidence. Um, he started to hit them a little bit more proficiently by the end of the season. Obviously, tiny sample, and who knows what it means. But um, again, I don't think his three-point shot is like ugly or anything. I don't think it's broken. I think it's just like a matter of getting some reps in. Um, and like if you could... I mean, if you're already going to be paying Surge anyway, and like Surge is going to be listless most of the time anyway, like I don't really see the risk in moving him to the bench. Like, what what can he possibly be that's less than what he is as a starter? Um, you know, in most games, obviously, you miss the games where Surge is awesome as a starter and it really works. And like the starting five still worked well with him at the four next to Jonas Valanciunas. But um, I don't know. I, I think uh, just you got to go on meritocracy at some point. Maybe a new coach will have some fresh eyes and see it that way. Um, but again, it, politically, I don't know if it'll happen, but I would not hate it at all. Um, you, you could maybe almost sell me on it being like a Draymond in for David Lee type of thing. Maybe with not the same sort of ridiculous ceiling burst opening like upside, but um, sort of that same idea. Like a young guy who you know cut cut his teeth this season, showed he was like a legitimately good player and a foundation piece for the future, um, and sort of an older guy who makes a lot of money, who had his heyday and still might be useful at certain times, but maybe just doesn't quite fit with what the team is trying to do. Um, give me Pascal as a starter. I think he's going to take a big leap next year too. Him and OG, I think. It's kind of in between those two. Like either of those guys could take a big leap, and I think Jakob Pertl, we might be soured on him because his playoffs were not very good, um, and he was really rough defensively in particular. But I do like his offensive touch. I like his passing. I like his smarts, and like he is a very good defender. And I think I'll take the the full season sample or two full season sample as opposed to like the rookie ass mistakes he made in the playoffs. Um, as to what he's going to be as a defender. I think he's very good. I think you could argue that he was the best defensive Raptor this season, although maybe Pascal or OG ended up taking up that mantle. But Yak is going to be good, man. And I, I think he could take a nice bit of a jump next season as well. Um, his offense is always going to be limited as long as he you know, doesn't shoot outside of four feet. But, um, you know, there's some signs there too. A couple you know, mid, mid-range jumpers he knocked down this season. Like, I mean, any little baby step is nice, but... Um, I think his defense should get back to where it was, you know, for, for most of the regular season, ideally. And then um, his passing's really nice, man. I, I think he, uh, you know, if you're not going to be a shooter, I think he's the kind of big man that you want to have, who is smart enough to make, you know, decisions in the short roll. Although, again, he kind of struggled with that, especially against Washington. I thought he was pretty bad with that. But, um, you know, for the most part, he makes nice passes. He finds the guys in the corner. Uh, you know, he finds cutting guys. You know, I think he can be a nice little tool t- to use uh, as a playmaking big at times when, when, it, when it's thrust upon him. So, I, uh, yeah, I, I like I like Yak a lot. But I think if you're penciling in like a big, you know, burst on the, th- on the scene sort of jump, it's going to be OG or Pascal. And if Pascal shoots threes next year, man, even at like 35%, like watch the hell out because he's really good. And that's going to be a game changer for him if and when it ever happens. Uh, I think that's it. All right, yeah, that's going to do it. There are no more questions. Thanks to everyone who sent them in. Um, thanks to the people who sent double because that gave me extra content. Uh, 
Friday, I'm not sure what we're going to do. Obviously, we're still kind of just like waiting. If there's a coaching development that happens, we'll do a podcast about that as soon as it happens. But uh, we'll see what happens on Friday's show. I'm not sure exactly yet what we're going to do, but uh, you know, maybe we'll start player reviews. I might just start player reviews next week and uh, you know, wrap, wrap out the, the week with a show tomorrow on some nonsense. So uh, we'll get the trivia get back going again in the next couple weeks as well, too. So stay tuned for that. Until then, subscribe, rate, review the podcast on iTunes. It's very helpful. It's uh, very appreciated when you do do that. And uh, again, it takes no time at all. So please do it. It's 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 a free show, and it's the only thing you have to do to like help the show out and show your support. You're not paying me anything, so uh, please do that. I very much appreciate it, and it helps us out a lot. Uh, that's gonna do it on Twitter at Woodley Sean. The show is at Locked On Raptors. You can find links to all of our shows. Um, the Locked On Network as well. Make sure you check out all the shows if you want to hear a preview or sort of a recap of games one and two of the Cavs Celtics series. There's a new crossover podcast between John Corrales and Chris Manning, both people who have been on this show before. Uh, if you want to check that one out, Locked On Celtics, Locked On Cavs crossover, and uh, lots of other stuff on the network for you to check out. Just scroll the page and find something you're interested in. Um, until then, thank you so much, and we will talk to you next time on Locked On Raptors. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.